Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Louise Lantagna, Hélène Messier and Catalina Bricino, a trio of agency leaders and strategists helping define the television landscape in Quebec and the Canadian province's growing influence around the world. C21's Content Quebec On Demand virtual conference kicked off last week, shining a spotlight on the Canadian province and what it has to offer the international TV business. From content with global appeal and co-production partnerships, through to local filming incentives, financial support, locations and facilities. In the first of the online sessions, a trio of Quebecois agency leaders and strategists discussed how the territory's TV landscape has grown over the last few years and developed an ecosystem with creative and business appeal to overseas players, as well as building its reputation on the global stage. Louise Lantagna, President and Chief Executive of Quebec government agency SODEC, Hélène Messier, President and Chief Executive of Independent Producers Trade Association AQPM, and Catalina Bricheno, Visiting Professor in the Media School at the University of Quebec in Montreal, spoke with Adam Benzine. We're extremely lucky to have three brilliant panellists with us today. I'm going to give you a brief introduction to them, and then they're going to tell us a little bit more about their roles. Uh, starting with uh, Louise Lantagne. She's the President and CEO of SODEC. Welcome, Louise. Hello. Uh, we also have uh, Hélène Messier. She's the president and CEO for AQPM. Yes, hello, everybody. And uh, joining uh, them is also Catalina Briseno. She's the visiting professor for the media school at the U- University of Quebec in Montreal. Hello, Welcome. everyone. And I said I the surname right, didn't I? It's perfect. Perfect. No Excellent. <laughs> Always my, my, that's the main part of my job is just making sure I get the surnames right and then everything else is the speakers. It's so. fine. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to you and just give people who are not necessarily familiar with the, the Quebec scene uh, an, an overview, uh, certainly for Louise and Hélène of the agencies that you work with. But perhaps if we start with Catalina and you just give us a, a bit of a, a background about yourself, about the work that you've done in the Quebec sector. You're really on this panel session because you bring a lot of knowledge of the history of the Quebec media sector. You're very tuned into where things are at right now and you're gonna bring an invaluable perspective for us. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you've been doing. Okay, so uh, hi everyone. Um, I am, as as you mentioned, Adam, I am a visiting professor at the University uh, du Québec à Montréal, but the reality is that I started in that position uh, in 2018, so I'm actually a 20 years plus recovering executive <laughs> from the industry. Uh, I mainly worked uh, first as a producer, uh, mainly in television and web uh, and in the animation sector, and then I actually joined, you know, government-related um, organizations. I worked during eight years for the Canada Media Fund as um, director of industry and market trends. And actually, that is nowadays, uh, you know, the things I specialized on is kind of observing the whole transformation of the audiovisual industry um, because of the digital revolution, obviously, you know, the ways our markets have evolved over the years. And um, that's why I t- what I teach also media economy and also foresight and strategic watch uh, at the university. Okay, excellent. Thank you. That's, that's, that's perfect. Uh, I'll go to Louise next. Okay, Louise, well, give us hi, just a, bit, a bit of an overview of the, of the work that you've been that, that SODEC does. Yeah, um, well, s- briefly, SODEC is a Quebec government agency um, overseen by the Minister of Culture and Communication that was established 20 years, 25 years ago to support Quebec's cultural industry at home and abroad. And we, we oversee, you know, uh, Uh, different sectors like music, editing, books, and mainly uh, also um, audiovisual. So cinema, series, uh, television series, and so on. I work closely, you know, with, let's say, Hélène at the AQPM, who is representing all the producers in uh, Quebec. Yes, well, this is a perfect opportunity there to pass over. She's queued it up better than I ever could. 
<laughs> so so she, she's doing my line. <laughs> I do uh, I, I do direct uh, AQPM, uh, who represents uh, more than 160 uh, independent film, television, and web uh, production companies. So it accounts for the vast majority of company producing uh, or co-producing either in English or in French in Quebec. And we are celebrating this year our 55th, 55th anniversary. So we've been there for a long time. Not me, but the association. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there for more than five years now. Yes. And the producers that are, that are members, they're, they're film producers, TV producers, digital producers. Yes, uh, absolutely. The, the volume of production in, uh, in Quebec is about two billions per year, uh, and it um, includes uh, in-house production, of course, of news, uh, uh, sports and all, but mainly the rest of it uh, divide equally between uh, foreign service production and national production, and our producer does everything, animation, film, uh, television, uh, documentaries, uh, script series. Uh, I, I would say that um, film, uh, feature films represent about 15% of the overall volume and television 85% of the production in Quebec. This is obviously our panel session is the state of the Quebec nation. What I'd like you to do is to, to give an overview of, of, of how the Quebec uh, uh, media sector has been changing really over the last five to ten years. I know that in the last year the pandemic has uprooted everything but prior to that the kind of changes that, that, that we've been seeing that we've been happening uh, you know across the different panels that we've had leading up to this one we've had people talking about the, the changing animation sector, the, the arrival of the virtual production sector, uh, you know, changes that are happening in terms of diversity, inclusivity, the kind of content that's being produced. And you can really give us that, that bird's eye view of how things have been changing and developing and how the Quebec space has been, has been developing in a sort of broad sense. You know, like in many other European countries, actually, the Canadian audiovisual industry is actually structured, you know, or, or governed, shall I say, by a legislative and regulatory framework, uh, which primary role is to govern things like, you know, the um, access to infrastructure, transmission uh, infrastructure, issuing licenses for broadcasters to operate, you know, allocation of spectrum and therefore and, 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 and so on. Now, one of the main characteristics of our uh, Broadcasting Act, you know, in which the whole funding and regulatory system is built, is that the premise that this spectrum that is used by radio and television broadcasters is actually, uh, you know, a public good and therefore has to be governed in public interest. So I would say that uh, there's a huge focus in maintaining and enhancing Canadian identity and cultural sovereignty. And the cornerstone is really to ensure that Canadians have access to Canadian made and produced content, you know, that it allows a diversity of voices and it has a fair representation of both national languages, which are French and English, but also, you know, a fair representation also of the numerous Aboriginal nations that are in this country. Now, in concrete terms, all of these principles have translated in a very robust system, you know, of, of, of really uh, to support the creation and, and production and distribution of audiovisual content, which are mainly based on programming requirements and also a, a generous contribution. We were talking about the Canada Media Fund, for instance, you know, like generous contribution from the broadcasters to the creation of Canadian content. Now, it has also allowed in the 70s, you know, of this ecosystem of, of independent producers to emerge. Now there's more than 600 across the country of independent production companies, you know, 150 of those. And you tell me if I'm wrong, Elaine, uh, but at least, you know, are here in Quebec. Um, now, the interest, more than that, but <laughs> more than that, probably, yes, but now more than that. Right. So it evolves every year, obviously. Now, the interesting thing is that, you know, this kind of double level uh, government structure in Canada, which means that all of these programs in principle are available at the federal level, but somehow they're also replicated at the provincial level. And this is how Quebec 
you know, has also kind of plethora of, of, of programs to support audiovisual sector and that we can count on a body like SADEC to actually coordinate the development of all the cultural enterprises across, uh, you know, the different sectors. Now, to your question, I would say the most significant change in the last uh, few years in terms of policymaking in Canada, and that is also visible, obviously, here in Quebec and has made a, a huge difference, is to ensure that Canadian content and creators are able to compete on global markets in yes. a world where, mm -hmm. as you know, is mainly influenced, you know, by new consumption patterns and by new competition and new business models such as SVOD and so on. So I would say that in the last five to six years, there's a huge focus has been put in increasing government's measures in terms of in order to increase more export more co-productions, including for interactive content and digital-first productions, even though those are not traditional covered, uh, traditionally covered you know, by international treaties, and also developing a lot of infrastructure you know, to welcome foreign and service uh, productions, but also uh, skill building, including in, in new skills like discoverability, and how we make our content more visible and discoverable, for instance, in the digital space. Yes. So all of those trends are very visible, obviously, in Quebec as well. And I would say that fast forward 2021, it puts us in a very interesting position because uh, the timing is perfect right now. With the help of this push in the last few years and these changes, combined with the kind of uniqueness, you know, and originality that Quebec's production has always had as a signature, it actually puts us, it, the province is, is, is ripe for international growth, yes. pretty much, you know, it, there's a lot of potential to tap in for foreign companies right now here in Quebec. Yes, I think it's worth mentioning, even though it's something we, we take for granted in Canada and, of course, in Quebec, we have terms of trade, like in the UK, so producers get to own their content. And that's not the default position in, in a lot of countries around the world. I mean, if you're in the US, the assumption is that the thing that you make is going to be owned by the broadcaster. They're going to want to take the IP. And that's one of the advantages we have in the Canadian system is, you know. That's one of the challenges with the, the new global platform. But uh, in, on the, of course, when you negotiate with Netflix and Amazon, it's it's not so easy to keep your intellectual property. Uh, property. So it it is becoming more challenging for the producers. Well, we're gonna we'll dive into the impact of those global players coming into the market in in just a little bit. But before that, Ellen, perhaps you could give me an overview of how much. In terms of all the work that's being done in Quebec, how much of it tends to be service production and how much of it tends to be generation of original IP? Yes, if, if you look at the global uh, volume in Canada, there's more now foreign service and service production is higher than the local uh, production. But in Quebec, uh, local production, national production remains the highest, not by a large margin, but it's, uh, it's the highest because it's very important for, for the public uh, to see their national production. And um, Catalina mentioned uh, the provincial investment. And I must say that Quebec is by the, it's by the far, uh, the, the the province that invests the most in uh, in its uh, content, cultural content, because we want to keep our language, we want to keep our culture. So uh, Quebec has uh, been uh, very generous to invest through SODEC and through other measures to be sure that there's a, a high volume of national production. So it amounts to uh, more than uh, around 800 million dollar uh, per year of national content that is produced in Quebec. Yes. Uh, Louise, I wonder if I could bring you into the conversation here. We've talked about how it's an increasingly global um, uh, marketplace and the international co-production is, is very much uh, a part of that. We're seeing a lot of Quebec companies partnering with production companies and networks in France, Germany, Asia, the United States, everywhere. Tell me a little bit about how you maintain that balance between what Catalina and Hélène referred to of uh, Quebec audiences wanting something that's very distinctively 
French Canadian, something that's very distinctively a Quebec production with the balance of international partners coming in who often want to have their own, you know, unique flavors added to international co-productions. Mm. Well, um, I'd say that some sectors of the industry are doing better um, in uh, those co-productions. Let's say, for instance, animation. It's quite natural to uh, to uh, to raise co-productions and uh, to develop uh, co-productions in that field. Documentaries also is um, is a natural, I would say. And um, also for movies, cinema. I mean, uh, we are into quite a lot of um, um, co-production with um, France, uh, different countries, uh, um, uh, even England. Um, it's more difficult, and I suppose that it will be coming one day, uh, for a live action series because you know they are uh, triggered by um, broadcasters that they want to serve their you know their close public their public their audience local audience so it's difficult to get on board somebody with other goals or you know uh, other kind of audiences so we've been successful, I'd say, with live action series more in the field of selling our format or uh, trying to find also um, some uh, uh, financement um, um, before starting the production on script for, you know, uh, the exploitation on um, uh, international markets. But let's say we're not really now into co-production for television series live action. Mm -hmm. It's more difficult even for, you know, uh, for um, uh, uh, people from other countries because with television, you have to serve your local audience and it's difficult, you know, to, to, uh, uh, to try to um, you know, to, to yes. marry. Uh, yeah. all those goals. But as I said, we have really, and, you know, we have strong stories, uh, true stories, I mean, not true, authentic, rooted deeply locally, and uh, uh, with um, a large resonance universally. And so it's, it's easier to sell now uh, our format where not saying that we don't want to develop co-production for television series, mm -hmm. especially with all those platforms emerging uh, and uh, existing everywhere. But I mean, we are at the stage of, uh, you know, starting those kind of co-production, I would say. I don't know if, Hélène... We, we do some co-production in TV for like movie of the week. Uh, yeah. I know that we do some with New Zealand. And there's uh, this example also of Incendo doing Versailles, uh, which was an international, uh, yeah. very successful uh, production. But it's more in English, Hélène. It's more in English than in French. And, yeah, and we're seeing more and more uh, foreign distributors, as Louis said, investing in Quebec at the stage of development uh, yeah. to be a partner with the uh, Quebec uh, producers. Uh, that's what we are seeing. Right. Uh, Actually, I have another... And I have another example that I myself have experienced when I was executive producer at Attraction. We had a series called Fatal Station, and we got, uh, for the development of the series, we got uh, great money from Arte, uh, Germany, France. Uh, and it wasn't a co-production. We were 100% producer, but we got that money uh, in advance to develop the series with Radio-Canada and Arte. But there are a few examples, more in English, yeah. but in French, it's a bit complicated. Not saying that it's not possible. It exists a lot uh, yeah. for movies, cinema, one-shot yes. deal, you know? Yeah. Uh, Documentaries. Yeah, uh, for cinema and uh, talking about television, 
you know, documentary series, animation, it's well developed. I think that, you know, uh, we still have to work to find, you know, some, I don't know, some uh, um, affinities, okay? For scripted for, series. Yeah. yeah. It's well, I wonder difficult. if perhaps, uh, Catalina, I might bring you in here a little bit. Give me some perspective on, on how the kind of work that's being done here has changed. I mean, I would imagine, as with a lot of places, with this increase in desire for limited series, streaming series, that there's probably been a bit of a shift from the amount of film work that's being done to the amount of TV work. Is that, has that been the case? Well, I guess Elaine would have specific figures on that, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would argue, and Elaine, you tell me if I'm wrong, she's closer to the profile in terms of statistic and so on, but uh, I would argue that uh, film production in Quebec is quite consistent, you know, over the years. Uh, it, it has been quite stable, and obviously there's a huge um, diversification on the side of tev television-like content, um, including, you know, a lot of web series. Quebec is actually renowned across. I, I, I used to work in 2006 in one of the first international commercially viable web series and animation here in Quebec. So even back in those days, you know, we were already experimenting with new languages, new formats, and so on. And so um, the, the industry was very keen to integrate very quickly, including, uh, you know, at, at, at the different agencies, tax credits and so on has, have adapted over time, obviously, to kind of uh, allow all of those. We're also kind of place that is very renowned for game development um uh animation you know vfx uh, uh like special yeah. effects and also immersive and and vr like virtual reality augmented reality and so on so quebec has this beautiful mix you know of technological kind of expertise um that has been put at service you know uh for content creation and kind of experimenting with different formats and, and luckily, we're kind of supported also by our broadcasters um, launching, obviously, you know, to compete with the very renowned <laughs> platforms, foreign platforms that we won't name, but the Netflix and the like, you know, that have been launching over the years also their own uh, online services and so on, and have been, uh, you know, interested in also acquiring original content for those platforms and so on. So we have the National Film Board in Canada, you know, uh, and obviously a huge part of the French production is from Quebec. Uh, that also allows, you know, producers here to explore with different languages and format and narratives. So it's kind of a very enriched um, ecosystem, both in terms of writing, creation, you know, and technical uh, and operational and financial capabilities to actually produce. And this is something that is, for me, one of the main assets in Quebec is this very rich and diversified ecosystem of small and medium companies, production, independent production companies that have, on one hand, the agility, you know, of, of, of boutique companies but the financial and operational capability to actually produce volume mm -hmm. and industry standard productions. Yes. I wonder if, Ellen, I can use that as a launch pad for you to build on. Uh, you know, when we talk about international co-production, what the, the key attractive things are about the Quebec market, about Quebec producers. Obviously, when people look at Canada, they know Vancouver and they know Toronto, given their proximity to New York, given their proximity to Los Angeles and the kind of filming that gets done there. What would you say is the key uh, attraction of producers looking to co-produce with Montreal? Why they would choose, well, not just Montreal, but Quebec yeah. in, in general. What's the strength that Quebec produces and that the Quebec sector brings? I think that we have a lot. We, we have our creators, uh, our directors like Xavier Dolan or uh, Denis Villeneuve or Jean-Marc Vallée are renowned all over uh, the world. Uh, we have great technicians, uh, great, great writers. So we have a lot of uh, talents, experienced producers. And I think that we bring also, we're used to work with very tight budget. So you get a lot 
for your money when you come in Quebec because we have uh, we have to be very creative. Uh, we work quickly to do our work uh, because of those constraints that we had over the years. And I think also that um, we enter easily into relationship with others. Uh, we create links. I think that we have this uh, European influence and also our, uh, our proximity with the United States. So we're from both worlds and it makes, uh, it gives us this ability to enter into relation quickly. And I think it's easy to do business in Quebec. Yes. Excellent. Well, you, you alluded, all, all three of you, a little bit earlier to the role of, of and the incoming, you know, effect of companies like Amazon Prime, like Disney Plus, like uh, Netflix, and the disruptive effect that we're seeing, not just in Quebec, not just in Canada, but pretty much in every local market in the world, where they're coming in and competing with Arte in France, coming in competing with the BBC in the UK, ZDF in Germany, everywhere. And as we mentioned, their models are very different. They, they do do co-productions, of course, but they really prefer to outright own something and have that IP for all of the different territories. So I wonder, uh, you know, actually, I, I'd like to have all three of you weigh in on that, perhaps Louise and then Hélène and then Catalina, because it's, it's as you say, it's a different model. If yeah. If Netflix comes along and says to a Quebec producer, you know, we'll give you 120% of your budget, but we fully own it. You make it, you're done, you deliver it to us, and you're on to the next project. Mm. For a lot of producers, that's an attractive prospect. So how how do you compete with that? How does that impact? Um, first of all, Adam, I'd like to say something else, maybe, but maybe it's closely linked to what, you, what we'll say later on about your question, is that there's a love story, a, a strong love story between the audience of Quebec and their authors, creators that are telling stories. I mean, you put a series on television here in Quebec, I mean, you want to see the audience. It's, it's absolutely great. It, it has been like that for many, many, many years. Yes. So our creators, authors, had the opportunity to develop a voice while they were, you know, having a dialogue with the audience and so on. So it's very strong, this unique voice that has been developed with the audience and gave us, you know, great storytellers. So mainly, and, and great crews and great directors and so on all part of the storytelling and the business of uh, audiovisual. But this is the main thing why we want and we do believe that we should develop our IP and negotiate with great platforms around the world, you know, to promote them, but, you know, to also license our IP in a proper way, you know, recognizing that, you know, it this is my property and I want to make a deal with you as an owner, not only as a service producer. We want to do service, servicing also, but we also pay for the content being, you know, uh, being uh, produced in Quebec. So we don't want to give it everywhere freely. And, you know, so I say that to come to your point, uh, we uh, are aware of what we own. It has been built over, uh, you know, 50, 60 years. Okay. It's valuable and we don't want to give it or, you know, um, ask somebody else to, to commercia commercialize it without us. Yes. I would imagine then there's a bit of a push-pull because as you say, as you allude to there, there's a very strong appetite in the local market for Quebec content, for French Canadian content. There's yeah. an audience there that doesn't just want to see something that's international and bland. They want to see the no. distinctive voice of yeah. the creators and from Adam, the local system. As it is deeply rooted yes. in our local community, automatically it has something that is, you know, it has to do with universality, with human being. 
So that's why our stories, you know, are are going, are able to travel, you yes. know, and to serve other audiences. So. Yeah. At, at, at the same time, though, I imagine you've got a lot of producers there and Elena, I'll bring you in on this, who yes. desire oh. to have their content travel. And we, we have we, in, in, in their credit, we have seen when, uh, for example, Netflix gets behind something like Schitt's Creek and starts putting it in yes. for Emmys and start bringing it to audiences all across the world, in Italy, in Portugal, in all the markets that they're in, that puts a huge uh, spotlight on Canadian Absolutely, food. you're right. For mm. our producers, uh, being uh, having a show uh, financed or bought by uh, Amazon, Disney, or Netflix is a great opportunity to showcase its talent everywhere in the world. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's seen like that as an uh, opportunity. But there's a real, uh, as I said, challenge to be able uh, on original production to be able to keep the IP. And it's very interesting time in Canada because a uh, federal government has just tabled a few months ago Bill uh, C-10. And Bill C-10 wants to bring uh, the new players, the platforms, into the legislative framework. So it's on the table, actually, it's been discussed. So for us, what's happening everywhere uh, out in the world, especially in Europe, uh, to try to uh, say, integrate uh, the European, um, um, how do you say, the European um, directive uh, into the oh, national the legislation. Uh, so we look a lot of uh, all those examples, especially France, where they've been able to balance, I think, the interests of the independent uh, producers and also uh, make uh, obligation for, for the new players uh, to respect IP uh, and to have the obligation to produce uh, content, uh, French content uh, in French. Uh, we've seen a great example with uh, Lupin recently. Uh, so we're very looking at this example and try to convince the legislator uh, to, uh, to look at those examples and to implement them uh, in our own legislation. Yes, it's definitely a bit of a tension though bit of a tension between what they want and between what 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 you want. Absolutely. I, I don't think that Netflix Normal. is looking at that uh, without doing anything. They're lobbying a lot, uh, like they've done everywhere else in the world, and they don't want to change their business model. And uh, But I think that they will have to adapt. And uh, well, we've I seen in they... France that they're, they're still doing a lot of business in France, uh, same thing for Amazon. They've ordered a lot. They've commissioned a, a lot of new programs. So they are applying the, the national, they are respecting the national legislation that are in place. Catalina, I'll bring you in here. You had a, a point there. Well, I think it's it's an interesting uh, thing to see how it evolves because uh, we all agree, I mean, since, you know, two, three years back, uh, there's an increasing pressure on these foreign platforms to be uh, not only, you know, good citizens, you know, but also pay, uh, pay their fair tax of shares and so on. And, and among other things, you know, how do we, how do they contribute, you know, positively to uh, the, the local and national ecosystems? So just coming back to the example of Netflix, you know, Netflix entered Canada, actually was launched in 2010. But back then, they had almost none or very, very little French titles in their catalog. Actually, they didn't come up with a very consistent or interesting offering in French before entering the French European countries in 2014-15. So they were able to actually see how the uptake for, from Quebec audiences were much slower for a platform like Netflix, you know, than it was in the rest of Canada. So not to say that it's not popular, obviously, like anywhere else. However, I think they were able to see, and Netflix has been C10 
seeing that all over the world. They know and they've learned that if they want to be relevant, you know, to those local markets, they need to invest and work with producers locally and, and with creators locally and so on. So for me, this whole tension or negotiations around the IP is just the next step. Obviously, you know, it should be the next step for these companies to consider, you know, true partnership, business partnership, for the very least, you know, allow local producers and creators to have a back-end revenue share or something, something will need to be negotiated for sure. I mean, um, as, as Louise, you know, and Elaine mentioned, uh, we're talking about companies, um, not companies, but industries that have been thriving for years and have been built on original content and production. And there must be a win-win situation somewhere, but yeah. it, it cannot be the winner or the biggest take all. Yes. So and how much, be, how much work are they? I mean, you, as you, you mentioned, they know that they need to get into the local market and commission local themed, local tasting content to be appealing to audiences in those individual markets. How much are they doing that in Quebec? I mean, is Netflix coming in and fully financing Quebec productions that are in French that, that speak to They're the local They're not audience? doing it a lot. Uh, they, they've commissioned a feature film uh, yeah. in the last uh, two years, uh, two years, yes. And they commissioned a few shows, TV shows uh, also, but uh, not a lot. Uh, but uh, I think that we look forward for them to increase that. And we hope that in bringing them in the new uh, framework, the new legislative framework, they will get some obligation as in Europe to do some more of national shows and of course, some in French also. Uh, and I think that as Catalina said, uh, they, they've seen now that they can produce original French content and it works. Uh, so they, they are interested. Uh, I hope that they will be more and more interested in, in doing so. We've seen as, uh, also in the last few years, a few co-production with the local broadcasters. So they've done two TV shows with uh, the CBC uh, mm -hmm. over the years. So that was kind a way of, of course, also in entering in the market. Yes. I want to shift topic a little bit here to, to, to still lots to cover, to focus on uh, diversity and inclusivity. It's become such a huge part of the conversation over the last most recent few years, three, four, five years. And then in the last year, particularly the last 12 months, there's been a huge, huge focus now on different voices, uh, 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 underrepresented communities that haven't had the chance to, to tell stories in the past giving them a spotlight, giving them a microphone, seeing content from them. It's, it's really been an explosion. And I'm interested, I'll go to, to Catalina first and then to Luis to, to get a sense of to what degree Quebec is adapting to that and to what degree we're seeing um, essentially non-white male voices coming forward and being given storytelling opportunities in, in Quebec. Yes, well, as you said, Adam, you know, I, I think we're, we're into, we're in very exciting times right now because... Uh, uh, as you said, you know, this is a global movement um, and what we're witnessing right now is the will uh, for the television and film industries in many parts of the world uh, to change from within um, in a systemic way and for the better, uh, you know, in order to promote um, uh, more gender equity, more diversity and more inclusion. And obviously, uh, Quebec is not an exception to this global movement. So again, here uh, we're also seeing, you know, a lot of initiatives, uh, a, a lot of things going on. Um, and what I can tell you is that the effort is truly across the board. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of new programs emerging, for instance, at the federal level. So with the Canada Media Fund leading the way. Uh, but also um, a true engagement and involvement from at the corporate level as well, you know, um, companies, private companies, I'm thinking about Warner Media Canada, Netflix, uh, Bell Canada, but also obviously the broadcasters, uh, you know, with, uh, and it's, it's 
especially the public broadcasters, as Radio Canada and CBC. But here in Quebec, you know, Tele Quebec is doing a wonderful job in social education on these issues and matters. So yeah, more and more programs um, creating, uh, you know, opportunities, providing tools, skill building. Uh, skills building, but also resources, you know, funding uh, for the underrepresented group, whether, you know, the Black community, uh, the LGBTQ groups, um, you know, Aboriginal people being able to find their place uh, both in front and behind the cameras and tell their own stories. So uh, obviously all of this is very new though. And so uh, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what is the impact of, of, of all this effort um, in the next few months and few years. Uh, but one thing is sure, um, the willingness, the consciousness uh, of the social responsibility that our industry has on these broader and universal issues uh, is really there. I think it's sincere. Um, there's a lot of experimentation going on. We'll see what 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 is really um kind of constructive, you know, out of all of this. But one thing is sure, effort is there, the will uh, to change is there, and that is quite and uh, quite exciting and positive. In the case of SODEC, is it, uh, do you have it sort of codified as a system of metrics or requirements? When people submit to have funding, do you say, you know, we want to see what efforts have you made to include a diverse crew here, below, yeah. below the line, above the line, on-screen talent? And we, uh, is there a certain amount of money? How does it work? Do you, is there a certain amount of money that you've set aside for no, uh, underrepresented no. stories? No, no, not a certain amount of money. We do uh, observe what's going on. We have numbers. And um, as we did, we did with women, we said, listen, we said to the Quebec producer, you want to deposit a second um, feature film this year? It has to be done by a woman, otherwise you don't depose it. So everybody came with a second project, feature film, uh, developed, written, directed by uh, women, and they were analyzed under the same requirements and, you know, um, um, uh, same kind of analysis. And within a year, we got 50% of the projects from women. The key is we have to receive those, those projects and not giving them money because it, it comes from the black community or it comes from the Asian people, it comes from indigenous people. No, we have to receive them and we have to study them and they will succeed. We do believe that it will happen and we are following that really closely but to make eco, sure. Yeah. It's an uh, ecosystem-wide yeah. change. Yes, yes. I, I want to add that uh, we have a, a committee uh, on diversity at AQPM with uh, producers uh, from uh, underrepresented uh, communities. And we've seen through, uh, you know, a lot of the financing for the television program is coming from the Canadian Media Fund. And they have some uh, fund for development that are that is are set apart for uh, those uh, communities. So we're seeing more and more changes uh, either in front of the camera or beyond the camera. And we're looking also at issues like uh, training uh, to get uh, more creative people uh, to uh, and. Um, also uh, being able to um, like speed dating between established producers yeah. and new yes. talents Match from matchmaking, matchmaking yes, yeah. <laughs> to, matchmaking. to be able to uh, create bridges between established producers and emergent producers or emergent talent to be able to do more. And we're in the midst of that. We're doing that training and looking if we have uh, uh, all the manpower that we need and uh, the, the workforce that we need. So we're, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll say, it's, it's on the table right now and it's, you know, a, a daily, uh, it's daily work. We're, we're, uh, yes. 
Now we've we've covered a huge amount of ground. The last thing I want to move on to, I'm really pleased that we've got this far without having to delve into COVID, but we should talk a little bit about the, the pandemic and the past 12 months. I know everybody's pandemic <coughs> out at this point, but the provincial Quebec government has been within Canada one of the first and one of the most aggressive to come forward and say, we want to help the production sector get back to work. We want to help you with the challenges that you're facing in terms of insurance has been such a big problem for producers in terms of the cost that comes with health and safety protocol, getting COVID tests every day for cast and crew, very expensive. And the challenges of, of getting back to where we all want to get back to. I wonder if you could, each of you, and I'll start with you, Louise, Give me a snapshot of, of what things are like in Quebec. Like, and that can be, uh, is production resuming? Can co-production resume? How long will it take for things to get back to where they were? Are you back in the offices yet? Are you all still working no. remotely? No, we work at home. Um, we can't go to, uh, to, uh, to uh, the office. But that, that's true. I just want to say that the Quebec government was really, really aware of the situation and and, uh, and put the money where their mouth was. I mean, they really give, well, they give us $51 million just to, for health measures on sets. And, uh, and they renew that measure for the coming year because we are into a third wave, of course. And um, uh, the insurance program, you know, I, I've, uh, we worked a lot with Elaine uh, right at the beginning of, well, almost, well, the middle of July, we were there with the program. And um, uh, we have worked a lot with CNC in France. They have helped us, helped us a lot to, uh, to structure that program. And after we did the same thing with uh, Canada, they, they came with a program in November, but we didn't want to miss this summer um, period, which is really good for production, for shooting, you know. So, um, and um, uh, so we, we are still on with an insurance program. We got 64 millions for, from the government and we are the only province who are paying for health measures on sets. And I'm really proud to say, and, and then Hélène will, uh, will tell you also, don't forget your uh, micro, Ellen. Um, uh, we didn't get any incident or anything happened, or maybe one incident yes. uh, before Christmas on sets. They are doing uh, very, very well. So even if we are in the middle of a third wave, they are still shooting and uh, doing business. This is great. So. Uh, what we're can I we're say? crossing our, our fingers yeah. I mean, because yeah, that, that's say, true. I mean, yeah, Sodec has has come in with this support, but still, we we must be seeing seeing everywhere that producers have been hit by this. The arts communities have been, yeah. you know, very very hard hit. The entertainment yeah. industry everywhere has been very hard hit. How yeah. have Quebec producers fared? How are they doing? They're doing well for almost every sector except co-production. I think it's the sector that is yeah. the most difficult. Uh, or uh, when you um, you were supposed to shoot elsewhere in a foreign country who get, uh, or being able to get international crew in, uh, that's of course is still a problem. Uh, so I, I must say that uh, uh, for the most part, producers did well this year, except for those who add an international intake into their production. So uh, that is still uh, difficult. Yeah, but except Elaine for animation. They did, oh, they of did course. Didn't <laughs> that was that. good for them. But, you know? yes. <laughs> but it, it was not so easy because, you no. know, you, you want to sell to go to international market. You need when you no. uh, produce big interna uh, big yeah. animation show, it yeah. costs a lot. So no. you need to be there to get those foreign investment in. So it was a little bit difficult, no, of course, maybe. because you didn't get access to all those international market no. and, you know. Yeah, uh, well, uh, we, we, we support Virtual yeah. ones, well, but okay, it's, it's not, not the, the same. same. <laughs> no, no, we like to go to the Festival of Cannes, of course, or at La Berlinale or Content London. We, we yes. expected to go, you know, next December, but I don't think it's going to be possible. Or but, Cinemania. You know, or, yeah. yeah. It's not to say it's not an easy period for, for, you know, for nobody. It's it's tough. But I mean, 
I'm so glad that we have succeeded not only in Quebec, but, you know, all over the planet to continue to shoot and, you know, give stories to people they badly need it. And because of the confinement, I, I think that people uh, listen to TV shows uh, like never before. So yeah, we yeah, get a lot of... Going on, man. Everybody's at home watching TV. Yeah. Yes, everybody's watching TV. So uh, we get an increase in a national program. We got an increase on platform yeah. watching. So yeah. everybody's watching now because yeah. they can't do anything else. So The, the greatest you know, uncertainty was pro is probably on the film side of things. Yeah. You know, given the fact, obviously, you know, that uh, the cinemas were closed uh, for so long yeah. and that it, it has not only created the same kind of bottleneck that we lived, you know, through the stop of television production, but also yeah. it created a bottleneck, you know, for the launch of all of those films now, uh, yeah. whenever and if ever, you know, the cinemas do uh, reopen widely. And then but it's, we still have to see whether people will be willing to return back to cinemas as well. But, but the yeah. experience showed that they are returning back, yeah. even they though are. That they're hungry for that. I mean, that. obviously not in the middle of the third wave, it's probably not going to happen. Not but now, and but we've exactly. Put, and we've put on a, a consultation table with distributors yeah. and uh, movies, uh, movie owners and, um, you know, producers to try to avo avoid this bottleneck and to coordinate yeah all the efforts of everybody yeah. uh, and so look, and, and it's we, working we add, for now if we add to that you know that probably now there's a lot of those cinemas also experimenting with digital first releases or hybrid kind of launch launching films in yes. the cinemas plus on platforms you know that's probably one of the most significant changes with the pandemic yeah. and yes. the film Warner brothers hbo max Model. Exactly, yeah. you know yeah. these, yeah. and but not not only them, virtual cinemas. I mean, AMC's and so on, willing to explore, you know, and to we already had some, you know, in the UK exploring uh, Cruzone or, or things like that, yeah. but just willing to explore also kind of hybrid releases of films and so on, and and allowing this kind of chronology, you know, the media chronology yeah. to be reviewed and revisited. For me, it's probably one of the most significant changes, you know, yeah. uh, post-pandemic. So we'll see how it unfolds in the next few months. Louise Lantagna, Ellen Messier and Catalina Briceno speaking with Adam Benzine as part of C21's Content Quebec On Demand, which continues online now and runs until April the 30th. Video versions of the sessions are available right now on c21media.net if you're a pro subscriber, and there'll be more from the event in the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening. <laughs>